Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan, we're back for another week. How are you? I'm great, Pam. You know, these weeks, they just come and go so fast. I cannot wait till, you know, we're sitting here visiting with, you know, more guests and putting together uh, that week's podcast. How about you? I know. Tuesdays come around pretty quick. <laughs> I know. If, if one thing's for sure, they make Mondays go by fast. That's right. So have you ever been in a situation with your kids where you didn't have the answer? Never. Never? Never. <laughs> no. You're the perfect dad? Uh, uh, often. That Very often. Everything, right? They do. They do. You know, um, back when Emma was about three, um, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she had the hardest time telling Emma, who I thought, she's three. She's not going to know anything different. And she was really worried about how to talk to her about what was going on. So, um, you know, that brings us to today's guest. I'm really, really excited. Um, it's something I know that you and I have been on, had on our bucket list to cover. We have. We have. So um, maybe they will teach us how to talk to our kids. That's right. That's right. You know, um, we've said this often, right, Pam? We have committed from the outset to asking the hard questions and finding the guests to answer those hard questions and provide resources to our folks. And so that uh, that is no different today. Uh, we're super excited uh, to be talking to some folks um, that will answer those hard questions, we think. No pressure, but we'll answer those hard questions. Uh, with us today, uh, we have Dennis Murray. And uh, Dennis is... Um, the executive director of the Children's Treehouse Foundation, and uh, they have a wonderful program called CLIMB. And uh, I'm going to uh, turn it over to Dennis and say, Dennis, first of all, thank you uh, for joining us. Thank you for sharing with us. And thank you for creating this program, because I think a lot of our listeners are really going to grab a lot of information from it today. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Children's Treehouse Foundation is honored to be here. Uh, we want to acknowledge you and Pam for putting this information out there so that families who are struggling with this issue uh, can know that there's resources available for them and that there are things they can do to have these difficult conversations with their children. Uh, we call the program CLIMB, Children's Lives Include Moments of Bravery, uh, because really these kids show all kinds of resilience even in the midst of a really difficult situation. And we want families to know that they can give kids more credit than we sometimes do for being able to handle the situation and be part of sharing the load with the family when there's been a cancer diagnosis. So thanks for putting it out there and letting families know that the information is there. Uh, I'm pleased to have two of our long standing uh, facilitators for the CLIMB program. We're in locations all across the United States providing support to families. And we have a program in Phoenix, Arizona that's been running for a dozen years and another program in Eau Claire, Wisconsin that's been running for a similar amount of time. And I've invited uh, the people that are running those two programs to join us today so you can hear firsthand from them about the experience they've had helping families have these difficult conversations. So let me ask Patty to say hello to you. Patty is at Banner Thunderbird in Phoenix, Arizona. She is a doctor of behavioral health. And then I'll let Marcy say hello also. She is with Marshfield Clinic in Eau Claire and she's a licensed clinical social worker there. So would you guys introduce yourselves? Sure. So this is Patty, and uh, I am so happy to be here. And thanks, Dennis. Um, I have my uh, LPC, so I'm a licensed uh, practical counselor, professional counselor at a pretty big hospital, 550 bed hospital in in Phoenix. Um, 
working with patients and their families. So yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. Yes, welcome. And I'm Marcy, and I'm from Eau Claire, Wisconsin with Marshfield Clinic, and I've been there for 13 and a half years, and I'm going into my 12th year of uh, facilitating CLIMB, and I um, am so happy to be here as well. So thank you so much. This is such an important topic, and, and I'm excited to, to talk more about it. Great. Wow, Ron, we have some great guests today. Yeah, you know, Pam... <laughs> it struck me. One. <laughs> I know it struck me as we're, we're, we're listening to the introductions and everything that, um, yeah, there's no question that we have three experts, but this is a first for beyond the ribbon where we have, we're, we're, we have three States represented um, outside of Texas. So this is really cool. This is really neat. That is neat. Ryan, I'm going to uh, take a moment. I want to set this conversation up. Yes. Just by saying that we have a real strong bias at Children's Treehouse Foundation, that um, the program that we provide and the services that we provide should just be part of cancer treatment for patients. Um, but we find so often that kids are overlooked when a parent is diagnosed with cancer or another loved one is diagnosed with cancer. And yet, uh, the parent for the parents, that's the first question they ask. What am I going to tell my kids and how do I tell them? Right. Right. And how much to tell them? Yeah, that too. I tell you, if I can, if I can interrupt for just a second, because I, I want our listeners um, to understand something really quickly, because, um, you know, when Dennis, when we, when we start looking for guests and we, we figure out what we want to do and who we want to talk to. And then of course that uh, then says, okay, Pam, Ryan, you got to do some homework and you got to, you got to do some looking and some reading and some learning. And um, this is one of those topics that I know Pam and I, we've discussed and, and we've actually had a, a few instances here at the center, but I just want to take a moment and read um, your mission and your vision statement to our listeners, because this right here, of course, that's what the goal of a mission and vision, right, is to really set the tone. And I think it does. So if, if you'll bear with me, um, I'm going to read this real quick, because I think it's it's very important. And it'll give our listeners, in a nutshell, what it is we're going to be talking about. So okay. the mission of the Children's Treehouse Foundation is to ensure that every child whose parent is diagnosed with cancer is given the early tools and emotional support to cope. And then the, your vision is so powerful. It says, we envision a world where preventing the inevitable psychosocial impact on children whose parents or loved one have cancer is taken as seriously as finding a cure for cancer itself. And you're right, just as you said, Dennis, this is something that uh, should be universal and is discussed at the time of here's what the scan showed and here's this you know, treatment option. And then, oh, we also have this person who can help assist with any of these aspects that you need help with, right? Yep. So and what do you get? I would, I would ask Patty and Marcy to comment. When families come in to join the program, is that your experience also that in some ways they're more concerned about the impact on their children or on their family than they are about their own treatment? That's why we actually, why I... I um, thought of this program for our cancer center when I attended a conference and heard about um, the Children's Treehouse Foundation because as a new at the time oncology social worker, when I was meeting with families, that was one of the number one things that came up with them, the number one concern. I would meet with them usually at their first treatment visit and that was a question that came up that said, what do I, you know, what do I say to my seven-year-old? How do I let them know about my cancer? And so I realized we needed more tools at our cancer center to help support these families because this was coming up time and time again. So that is when I approached my manager and our physicians about starting this program at our cancer center. And that's when I went to train for this program. And I would add this. Um, when I was uh, a new oncology counselor, my beloved cousin was diagnosed with breast cancer as a 35-year-old, and she had my godchild, seven years old. So Jessica was in second grade, and so they were very frank with Jessica, explaining what was going to happen. So Jessica mentions to a kid in her class, a classmate, my mom has cancer, and the little boy says, your mom's going to die of that. Right. 
Now, that was not in the messaging, no. but children get messages from a lot of different places, not just their safety of their home. Right. So parents have no idea. So of course, Jessica doesn't want to say, she doesn't want to tell her mom that. She finally did. And that coincided with me finding out about the climb program. And I'm like, well, I can definitely see that we need this. And I had been an elementary school teacher before uh, becoming a therapist. And before that, I had gone through the loss of my own parent from cancer. So um, back when I was a kid, there was no support. And we've come so far in being able to talk about cancer and, and support patients and families with cancer. But there was, as Dennis said, still this, uh, this divide where we kind of, this kind of thing slips to the side, you know? Right, right. So you talked about the CLIMB program. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about it, how it works, what all it involves? Uh, let me give you an overview of the CLIMB program. It's designed as a six-week support group that meets one night a week for an hour and a half. And the design of the program is to do two things, uh, help kids understand what cancer is in language that is appropriate for their age level, and um, to give them an opportunity to actually have somebody focus on how they're feeling about their loved one's cancer. Uh, the focus is on the cancer patient most of the time. And so it gives them an opportunity to speak freely about how they're feeling and what's going on in their uh, own experience of the parent's cancer. And we create a safe place where they can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, we tell them it's okay to share your feelings. In fact, it's critical for you to share your feelings. Right. And it's okay to be mad. And it's okay to worry that your parent may die. Uh, they don't have a space often where they can go and have those kinds of conversations. So we would, build for week to week uh, on yeah. uh, that emotional expression and we use activities, typically art activities to help them bring those feelings to the surface and have a place to talk about them. Now the flip side, the other activity of the group is to support the parents mm -hmm. uh, to be prepared for the conversations that we're telling their children it's okay to have. That's what I was going to add. I mean, you know, obviously it wasn't enough. The program started out um, without that family component. And we figured out that you could teach children that it's okay and that it's all right to experience these feelings and give them tools to help those feeling, help them process those feelings and think about, you know, these things as normal. But then if there's no place to, to discuss it, in a safe space that they trust, then it's sort of lost, you know? So very excited that it's a, it's a full and comprehensive program. I would, I, would think it would have, I would think it would have to be. I mean, you can't just say it's okay to have this conversation and they get home and start discussing with mom or dad and, and it's yeah. shut down and you've just, you know, kind of ruined what you've already worked on. I think it's right. very interesting too, um, talking about, not just telling the parents it's okay, you know, be expecting these this type of questions and talking to them, but you're equipping them to help answer those questions and understand exactly what the kids are going to be asking and talking about, right? Yes. I would also say that um, as, you know, at the beginning of diagnosis, parents may have more energy than they have once all the treatment starts. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, Parents who have a lot of concerns about their kids, once all the treatment things happen, they, they may become so overwhelmed themselves that they don't really have, it's hard to continue those conversations where if we can get a sort of a foundational conversation and language, um, then you're not starting from zero. Parents aren't starting from zero when they're most exhausted and emotionally taxed. So at what point does someone get enrolled in this program? Is it beginning of diagnosis, after diagnosis, all of the above? Uh, yeah, I'd like Marcy and, and Patty to talk again about their 
experience, but the guidance that we offer to programs that are getting started is that if the families have two or three months of coming to terms with the fact that this diagnosis is now part of their family dynamic, uh, that that's probably about the right time to start introducing the idea of CLIMB. But right away, families are typically so overwhelmed uh, that it, it's not uh, the right time to get started right away. Marcy, would you agree with that? I would agree. You know, it really, it really depends. A lot of times uh, when at our cancer center, we'll mention it to families and they may express interest, but then we may not hear back from them. So we always follow up if they've expressed interest because sometimes maybe it's a month later or, um, you know, a couple of months later that they feel ready to enroll their child. So, you know, we really try to empower families to, um, enroll their child whenever they they feel ready for a lot of the parents that I work with they they really are ready earlier than maybe even I think they may be because they are just so excited that there's a resource for their children and they want to get these conversations going so right and what's the age range that y'all recommend the program the program's designed Pam for school age children age 6 to 11 and teenagers age 12 to 18. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I, I could see that. That was one of the thoughts in my mind was the vast different, you know, abilities to comprehend and understand and knowledge base. That's that it's almost like you need to have almost like 12 different, you know, age brackets really. But I, I would imagine, you know, Patty and Marcy, I would imagine you guys probably don't have the cookie cutter average, you know, six to 11 year old that you go, oh, well, I'm sure they're probably not really here or they're not thinking about that. I imagine there's a lot of surprises that come your way. That's true. There is never a dull moment with running these groups and it's it's um, definitely, it is really um, wonderful. And as Dennis said, we now have a teen um, component to the CLIMB program, which is so helpful because um, for those um, adolescents and, and teenagers, it's it's critical that, um, and, and their needs are different as well. So, um, but again, the questions that come up that these kids and these teens are, are holding that they may have never brought up, um, concerns that they have. And just to be in a group with other kids their age or teenagers who are going through something similar, because even within their their friend groups, they may not have somebody who, who's been in a similar situation. So they're able to make connections. And actually in our very first CLIMB group um, back in January, 2009, um, two of the kids that were in that group as adults now still are friends and keep in contact. And so mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing how um, these connections form with families and how they can be long-term. Wow. You know, one of the things, um, it, it makes me think too, Pam, what, one of the things we do, we see power in community. You know, mm -hmm. you, we have our support groups and that's a close knit group. And I tell you, I know you know this, but I tell you our water group is almost mm -hmm. a cult in and of itself. And with them. it is They're They're a lot of fun. And so I could I could totally see how that would be. You know, it's almost like um, they're, they're a second school group, you know, that they've got together with. And there's such a such a powerful bond in going through something as um, frightening and as mm -hmm. life changing as a parent with cancer. And I can totally see how that would be. Oh, yeah. What are some yeah, of the we have a, a policy of, you know, helping the children understand kind of the group rules. And one of those is that what's discussed in the group stays in the group. Right. So, um, you know, going through the rules the first day we're meeting and we ask, you know, about the meaning of each of these little ground rules or, you know, community decision making points that we all agree on. And uh, when I got to that one and said, you know, what do you think that means? And he's like, it means what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. There's ground rules, that's good. Um, yeah. Do you find it that most kids uh, maybe imagine the worst when they're in this situation? So I, I love to quote Mr. Rogers in this kind of question because 
you know, how lovely and wonderful and wise he was. And he said, what's mentionable is manageable for children. And if we can't talk about whatever that is, mm-hmm. kids will naturally um, think it's too terrible often to, to talk about it all. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, Marcy, I'd love to hear what you have to say on that. Absolutely. And that's why when family members um, may ask, you know, is it is it okay to say the word cancer? Is it okay to tell them, you know, what is going on? Are they old enough to be talking about this? Um, yes, absolutely. Because again, a lot of times they are holding, they know there's changes. Kids are intuitive. They know that something is wrong, that something's different. So to be able to talk about it and give them information that's age appropriate um, and to, to normalize, um, you know, the experience as well, it can be so helpful. And um, they can get those questions out of their minds that are very scary and, um, and get answers to questions. And that really helps to empower them. And we tell the parents to keep in mind that uh, not only will the kids pick up that something's going on and things are different and they wonder why mom is crying at night. Um, if we don't talk to kids about it, they'll fill in the blank themselves. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they're making uh, up scenarios that are worse than the actual situation. So we have a very strong bias that you talk with the kids straight up about what's going on, share with them what the doctors have shared with you, again, in age-appropriate language. Um, Sometimes kids are asking simple questions, so we don't need to give them uh, detailed answers, but we do want to answer their questions. Um, And we try to give parents some guidance on how to answer those questions and things that they can say to their kids when those things come up. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, it's not the first time in the child's life. It may, it may be the first time, but it won't be the last time in a child's life that they'll have, they'll find somebody who has cancer. Right. So right. you're doing, uh, it's a teachable moment as well. Oh, yeah. To teach sure. children how to manage health issues, you know, and this is how we proactively do this. So yeah. I, I think it really serves to educate kids Um so even for their own health, this is what my mom did, or this is what my dad did, my grandpa did. And yeah, this is, this is what I would do if it was me, you know, or my friend, this is what I can say now going forward is how you handle cancer, you know? Yeah, it really is truly a lifelong learning lesson right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only coping with cancer, but then also other major hurdles in life, exactly. life lessons and obstacles that they're going to face the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. I want to go back, Dennis, if you can, and tell us a little bit about some of that kind of the support that you do for the parents, you know, and, and, and the, um, the education, if you will, to the parents. Like if, I, if I'm a parent who has um, myself or my wife have cancer and we we're getting our child enrolled in CLIMB, what can I expect? Yeah, well, we, we want to be real clear with you about what we're doing with your children in the CLIMB group, um, but when we're focusing on talking to the parents about what they can expect, we wanna be real clear about the purpose of the parent group. And the purpose of the group is to give the parents some tools and skills to help them better support the distress that their children are experiencing because of their cancer. So that's different than doing a support group for the parents, right. where the parents get to come in and, and talk about how they're feeling and what's going on with their cancer. Uh, so we wanna be real clear about that because uh, that's not the purpose of the group. The details about how we approach that from child development to um, relaxation and resiliency activities, I'm gonna toss that over to Patty because Patty was one of the people that helped us design that parent program. Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, so we do, um, as Dennis said, we do differentiate this from a typical uh, supportive kind of networking group. Um, And we want to be clear that the parents, we want the parents to feel like they've walked away with uh, empowered, feeling empowered when their children needs support because really there's no unique program for children um, that serves this 
purpose as well, I don't think, as as CLIMB does. That's a big statement, I know, but I, I feel so strongly <laughs> about, about the program. So we we start to talk about child development and age-appropriate responses. So what, when they have children across maybe several age groups, they'll know that a, a toddler, or not a toddler, but a preschool or a five or six-year-old or a, is going to is going to have different questions. They're going to have different sort of sophistication as, as to their processing of this of this tale of cancer than the middle schooler will or the grade schooler will or the you know older teens. So we do a little bit of education around that. Um, we talk about how to improve both listening and speaking in communication and how to ask kind of open-ended questions to get the most um, bang for your buck when you're trying to talk to a kid who's clamming up, you know? We often say that the time in the car after climb can be the time that really generates some conversation. So just to kind of have their feelers, their antennas up for that time in the car, you know, because the art that the children do can create all kinds of um, opportunities to start talking about what the project was about and what what they learned. And so it, it really gives them that, that moment. Um, we do talk about resiliency building stress management on the side of the parents, because how do you help your children manage their stress if your stress is not managed, you know? And um, we do a bit, a one week on behavior management. So being able to set realistic expectations, even with a cancer diagnosis in the house. Yeah, the parents notice that their kids are acting differently or they're suddenly getting in trouble at school or they're not following uh, the family guidelines that they used to follow before the um, diagnosis. So giving families tools for dealing with some of that disruptive behavior is also part of what we're doing. But I hope you hear the whole modeling aspect of it. One of the things we underscore for the parents is the things that we're asking you to do are gonna model for your kids how they can handle the distress that they're feeling. So did the two groups ever come together? Is there a time where the kids and the parents come together? Marcy, you wanna take that? There, there is a time that they come together. Um, you know, I think as they said throughout um, throughout the sessions, they they model each other um, and, and the teen group as well. All three of those programs um, kind of go hand in hand. Um, but the final week, they all come together into a closing ceremony, um, and um, it's it's pretty powerful. So, wow. You know, Pam, I. I I can't help but think of some of the folks that we've seen at the Survivorship Center um, for a variety of, of classes, activities. I know some of the survivors you've met with and, and they have children and it, it, it makes me ponder in my mind, how would I handle this? And I am so thankful there's, we've come to the Treehouse Foundation who have been working on this and fine tuning it and, oh, it sounds a lot like kind of our program, right? We, we, you add as you go along. Uh -huh. adults need help too we got to do this for the adults and we can't do this for the kids because we got to do this for the adults we got to make this kind of synergistic we we can't do one and not the other and that's how a lot of our things here at the center have have been born out of necessity and I think um wow it, it just it boggles my mind all the aspects that you guys cover I would just like to say um so Marcy and um I think a colleague right Marcy developed the teen Yep, Nan Bethman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nan, um, and, and and Wendy um, from MD Anderson. So there are three yeah, of us. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That teen component was just, uh, I feel so blessed that we have it now. It's just really awesome because that's a group that oftentimes really, you know, shuts down. Um, I had a parent um, respond that his daughter who was a teen had a burden lifted. So we would include teens in our program even before the teen program existed, but now we have a curriculum. Um, my daughter had a burden lifted from her shoulders and she came out of her fog. Wow. And I just think, gosh, that says a lot. You know, that makes, paints quite a picture. I would also say um, years before, while I was doing CLIMB, I had a, a art program, like similar to the program that you offer. You said you have an art program. Mm -hmm. And patients would come and paint the experience of having cancer twice a year at our cancer center. 
And I had a mother-daughter painting side by side. The daughter was a senior in high school and the mother was, um, you know, a woman diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. And the daughter happened to be the youngest of three children. So the other two were adults and had gone off to college. And here we have this, the third child there trying to prepare to leave the nest and having her mother undergo a lot of cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. So they're painting side by side, not a word is being said between them. And here's the daughter's painting. It shows her back to the viewer. So it's her back. She is, she looks like a kind of like a butterfly. She has wings and she's flying, except she can't free herself from this flower she's standing on because around her ankle is the breast cancer ribbon tying her to this flower. Mm. And here she is trying to prepare to leave for college. And she's got that push pull of wanting to be independent and yet feeling like everyone else has already flown the nest and she's got this responsibility. Mm -hmm. So how I wish we'd have had that teen program for her. You know, these are the stories that tug at your heart. Oh, yes, yes. You know, and I would imagine that they never had discussions in the household and the mom really didn't know that it was, she was carrying this burden. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it, it appeared to be kind of that way. Yeah. I'm just thinking for myself, um, having a middle schooler, how hard it is sometimes to get questions answered and then put cancer in the route, the picture. I can't imagine uh -huh. how kids can deal with it. Dennis, is there any um, studies out there that has shown the benefits of the CLIMB program? So we did a study of our own mm -hmm. to look at the effectiveness of the program. It was published in the Journal of Psychosocial Oncology in the summer of 2016. Mm -hmm. um, so I know of that study. Mm -hmm. There are other programs that are out there that try to do things similar to what we do. And I think they may have some results of their own work from those programs, but this is an area of oncology that doesn't have a whole lot of empirical data to support it. Um, it seems pretty obvious <laughs> that uh, since cancer affects the whole family, it would be beneficial to support the whole family. But in this day and age, it also helps to have that data. And there's not a lot out there right now. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about the internal study you guys did, Dennis? Yeah, they, uh, we hired an outside group to come in and they looked at five different programs and they interviewed the families uh, and the children from those programs. Um, and basically uh, they were able to identify that in technical terms, what we call emotional regulation, um, kids being able to understand and express some of the emotions that are going on was improved as a result of being involved in the program. Some of those disruptive behaviors that you sometimes see with kids when this happens were reduced as a, as a uh, result of being in the program. And there was evidence that communication improved between the kids and the parents. Now, um, I have to say in all fairness, the end of the study concluded that it was a promising indication, but more study needed to be done. And sure. we just haven't done more study since then. Yeah. I think those are all, of course, favorable outcomes. I mean, who, what family can't benefit from a little bit better communication skills? I know personally, uh, mine can, although my children may disagree with that, but uh, <laughs> I know uh, there's always benefits. Well, let me mention something that um, Patty and Marcy touched on just a little bit, but um, even with kids that seem like they're not getting a whole lot out of the program, um, the program's not magic. Your middle schooler might not come back home from climb and suddenly be telling you everything that's going on uh, with them. Um, but we have plenty of anecdotal stories of situations like uh, one of the things that the programs around the country have done is designed some kind of a memento that you can give to the kids to take home after the group to remember the things they learned. And one of the groups uses a feeling blanket 
where it's really brightly colored on one side and it's dull colored on the other side. And they give it to the kids and say, you can use this uh, to let your family know how you're feeling. You can fold it up on the end of your bed. Uh, you can wear it over your shoulders when you're watching TV. And whatever color is out can be a message to the family about how you're feeling that day. And we had a family tell us that they had a teenage boy who just didn't seem to get much out of climb. But he used that darn blanket for weeks and weeks after the program. Uh, and it allowed the parents to really have a sense of what the kid was experiencing and what the kid was going through, even though it wasn't a verbal conversation. That sounds like something that's going on on Instagram. Tell me your feelings without telling me your feelings. So instead of verbalizing it, yeah, you could use the blanket. Yeah. Well, we and awesome. the other story I wanted to tell you quick is uh, there was a kid who went through the program because his grandmother was diagnosed with cancer, and again, the family wasn't too sure that it had much of an impact on this young man because he didn't talk about it very much until something like six weeks after the program was over, they were at a family dinner and grandpa was starting to squawk about his feelings about his wife's cancer. <laughs> and this teenage boy jumped in and he said, grandpa, you should have been in climb with us. <laughs> and he started telling the grandpa the things they learned in climb that would help him deal with his wife's cancer. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the kids get it. It, it, it may not always come out in conversation, um, right. but the tools that they're given um, are, are things that sink in. I mean, you guys really are training the trainers, right? I mean, you really are training a bunch of people um, to carry your mission, you know, elsewhere in, 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 in surprising ways, just like that. Yeah. So how do people find a CLIMB program near them? Well, the recommendation I would make is to go to our website. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a link on the website for climb locations, and uh, it pulls up a map of the world, and there are little push pins all over the map where there is an active climb program. Uh, I'm happy to report that uh, during COVID, since we couldn't do face-to-face -face groups, uh, we took the time to develop our online version of the programs. And so uh, we now have an online group that is available to families if there's not something locally that they can take advantage of. Um, but that, that would be the best way to do it. And I would encourage your families. Uh, to me, this is uh, a grassroots request um, but there's no reason why you shouldn't go into your hospital or cancer center and expect them to have something to help you support your children. Yeah. So start demanding it so that the hospital gets somebody trained and they can start a program there if there isn't one already. Yeah. How well, many CLIMB programs are there in the United States? There are 56 across the country in 25 different states. And then you said you're international. How many Programs. We have 24 programs active in five other countries. Uh, we're in Canada, Japan, uh, Ireland, and the UK, and Hong Kong. Well, Pam, I, I want to interject right here because, um, you know, you, you said 56 in the U.S., and, and I, I want our listeners to know that um, soon that'll be 57 because we're going to have someone um, hear from the center, go through, and it won't be me. So everybody listening can can relax. It won't be me. Um, but they, we get, we add 57 and uh, we will be a climb uh, facilitation or facilitator here in uh, Amarillo for the Texas Panhandle. Um, this is so powerful. And I, I, I almost can feel our listeners heads shaking or why wasn't this, you know, how many times Pam have we heard? Why wasn't the survivorship center around when I went through treatment? And it's like, well, because we had a dollar, we'd be rich for every time. I know, we certainly would. And so I can probably hear some folks saying, gosh, why wasn't this around when I was going through treatment and or when my kids were little? And so we're going to fix that. You know, one of the things, one of the things that, that you guys talked about um, on your website, and it talks about 
we're, we're, we're bridging the gap and we're filling this need and we're filling this void. And that's what we see that we're doing or we want to do at the Cancer Survivorship Center. So everybody who's listening that's saying, I wish this was available, it will be uh, um, sometime probably in the, in the fall or winter, uh, we'll be able to provide this service here locally. So um, Dennis, I can't wait for that. I know that um, we, we, we've got a ways to go, but I, um, I, I know our listeners have been, we've kind of set the hook, right? We've, we've dangled it out there. And then now we're saying, hey, we are doing this or we're going to do this here. Well, we'll be excited to have you in the training and you have my assurance that uh, we'll give you as much support as we can from a distance to get the program up and running for your families. Well, we, we, we appreciate that. And, and I also appreciate the fact that you've uh, been able to still maintain much like we've tried to maintain throughout COVID because we all know, um, gosh, cancer didn't diagnoses did not take a break during COVID. Um, and so, and I have a feeling that more than likely post COVID, uh, we will have a lot more uh, late stage cancer diagnosis due to not being screened. So I think uh, your job and then soon our job, of course, too, um, we will be very busy. Is there any other resources that you can recommend for our listeners um, in the meantime uh, before we get the program here? Yeah, uh, we actually have a couple of books that uh, are available for families. One is a book for parents and it's just testimonials from other parents for what they struggled with about what to say and how to say it and what the impact was on uh, talking about it with their kids. Uh, we like the Susan G. Coleman description of our book that uh, they allowed us to put on the back cover that says the book is sort of like an instant support group for parents who are dealing with this issue. The book is called Helping Your Children Cope with Your Cancer. Um, and then the other book we have is an activity book that's called Talking with Your Treehouse Friends About Cancer, and it's in Spanish and in English, and it's an activity book where kids get to draw and uh, answer questions and uh, do some of the kinds of activities that we do in the CLIMB program. So in the absence of a CLIMB group, uh, both of those can be tools for cracking open some conversations. And there's a lot on the internet, Pam, frankly. Um, places like the Cancer Support Community and Cancer Care and um, the National Cancer Institute have booklets and uh, guidelines for how you have conversations with your kids about your cancer. You guys wanna add uh, anything to that? Patty or Marcy? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers it. I've had some resources that I've, consistently given out over the years that are from those organizations that Dennis mentioned that kind of get people kind of with some sort of words to be able to talk, you know, um, some language. So, yeah. You know, as a nurse here at the Survivorship Center, um, when a patient asks me, well, how do I talk to my kid? I now know where I'm gonna direct them <laughs> because I don't think I have the answers, but I know who does. Oh, well, thank you. So I, I'm really um, thankful that y'all have joined us. And we this leads us to our last segment. And we like to call Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's CarSmart Kia. And we would like to hear from um, all three of y'all if you have a powerful moment um, that has touched you. I'd kind of like to lead it off because mine is really about um, a first climb meeting. And I had met a little girl in the hospital whose mother had stage four breast cancer and she was diagnosed when this child was two years old and this girl is nine. Oh, wow. So for seven years, this has been everything that, um, that this little girl has really had in her wheelhouse of growing up and developing. And um, when I talked about CLIMB, they registered their child and she only came to the very first meeting and then life just got so chaotic. They just couldn't make the classes. So we, we only got a, the tiniest taste of what, what this little girl's experience was. But every week we do a, something called a scribble in where kids get to draw where they are right now. And we just use a random letter we give them so that they have something to put on the page. So they don't just look at a blank piece of page and feel intimidated by that. 
So the letter was an A and we say you can turn it upside down or right side up, but turn this A into some sort of story that tells us kind of what your experience has been, you know, this week or how it is so far. And I will never forget, and her parents, you know, her father gave me the, the picture to use as I'd like and to be able to tell this story, but she turned the A on its side. She painted, she just with a crayon, we, you know, a simple crayon and a piece of paper, we, we can get so much out of children if you just ask the right question. She went ahead and um, just did a really light purple kind of haze over the picture. And she drew herself with that A on its side at the very tippy tip tip of it, sitting above this void. This nine-year-old draws herself as a, a, a tiny, like the A is the whole size of a nine, eight and a half by 11. Mm -hmm. She's drawn herself about an inch tall, sitting at the tip of that A, just her legs dangling over, and she's just at, the, at this empty void. That to me is so powerful that when we understand where kids are coming from and we can help support them to move towards something positive and something helpful, that I can't think of a better mission. Wow. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. Oh, it, kids will surprise you. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they'll tell yes. you in one way or and another. All we did was ask. All we did was ask and give her a piece of paper and a crayon. And we got a lot of information. Wow. wow. So... Pete, thanks for supporting the podcast. Uh, I'll tell you this story. Um, there is a family that participated in the program uh, out in Pennsylvania. And Antonika has six children, uh, four from a second marriage, two from a first marriage. The two children from the first marriage are older. And the kids that went through CLIMB were nine, 10, and 12-year-old twins and Antonika was diagnosed with breast cancer. She felt pretty strongly that she had created an environment at home where the kids could come to her and ask any question they wanted and she was gonna be open with them and talk to them about her cancer, the, the familiar open door policy. But when they got to the hospital, they had a climb program and she thought it worked out well for the schedule so she put the kids in a program. What she learned is that the kids were not talking to her in spite of her open door policy. They didn't wanna upset her by talking about how they were feeling and they didn't wanna make her worse. But because of CLIMB, those conversations that they weren't having, they were suddenly having. And then about six months after they went through the program, their 24 year old stepsister was also diagnosed with cancer. And the silver lining in the story is that because of the experience these kids had with Klein, because they learned about cancer and learned about the treatments at the hospital, they actually became a part of their older sister's treatment. Instead of being overlooked, instead of not knowing what to tell the kids, they actually took her by the hand and went with her to her first appointment introduced her to the doctors at the hospital, showed her the equipment that she was going to be treated on, and they actually made a contribution to helping their sister start her treatment. Mm. And talk about empowering kids instead of overlooking kids. Uh, to me, that's one of the real strengths of the CLIMB program. Wow. Uh, I totally agree. Um, you're empowering children. That is... Wow, that's, um, that's amazing. Marcy, that one may be hard to top. Mine is pretty uh, short and sweet, but one, um, there's so many amazing stories that stand out to me over the years of working with these families through CLIMB, but one um, dad that I worked with who had stage four pancreatic cancer was um, a single dad and he was extremely close with his nine-year-old daughter and he was just heartbroken because she wouldn't um, really go near him once he started treatment. She was, um, her, the whole dynamic between them changed. And after she went through CLIMB, he told me after graduation, she hugged him that night. And it was the first time she hugged him in 
the six weeks of the program, um, she hugged him and he was so thankful. Um, and they were able to, um, have that openness between them again. She had so many fears, um, about his treatment and about if she could be near him as he was going through chemotherapy and could she still, you know, hold his hand or hug him. So because of what she learned in the program, she, um, she was able to, to give him a huge hug that night. And that stuck with me all of these years. So. Wow. Wow. I'm speechless. I know. I, Pam, that doesn't happen to me very often. I, no. you know, I, I know Pam, I love every single program we have at the survivorship center. Every one of them um, really do. And I cannot wait to add this to our toolbox going to be something that's much needed for our people here in, in the center at the center yes it is yes it is oh goodness i tell you dennis uh marcy and patty thank you guys so much thank you for you know uh your vision uh thank you for your talents and taking your talents to uh the people and and really working with some overlooked folks you know um and that's that's uh it's 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 amazing to, to have as many, you know, sites as you do, you know, worldwide um, and then continuing to grow. And, uh, you know, you've got a, a very tall mission and, and I can see that you're meeting it daily. And uh, we're excited to join uh, the Climb family and uh, be able to provide this service here locally. Well, thank you. It was our privilege to be able to share this time with your families and you guys. Absolutely. You know, uh, one thing that we, we do ask of our listeners, share this podcast. This, this you know, this is one of those things that um, maybe you don't have children. You know, maybe your children are grown and, and, and you're going through treatment or you've you know, recently completed treatment. Um, but I guarantee you, you probably know someone who does. And uh, let them know about this program. Let them know about what goes on at the Survivorship Center. You know, we like to talk, Pam, about hitting all the buttons, the liking the button, you know, the liking the podcast, the sharing the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. You know, um, let us know. Let us know some topics you want to hear. Uh, we know, we feel like we, we are bringing the best topics and best guests to this podcast. Right, Pam? That's right. But sometimes we run out of ideas. So we would love to hear from our listeners if they have any topics that we would they would like for us to cover. Um, and if they want more information, they can always call us here at the center at 806-331-2400. That's right. That's right. Now, the most important thing is too, right, Pam? We talked in the beginning of the podcast how quickly these weeks go by. And so uh, we want everyone to stay tuned uh, for next week. Uh, another great episode coming your way of Beyond the Ribbon. And uh, we will talk to you then. Thanks a bunch for joining us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.